Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm one of the elders here at Generations Church. And with me, as always, is my good friend and the lead pastor at Generations, Mr. Jeff Ludington. How you doing today, Jeff? I am well, man. Thank you. It's good to be back. We're here in your classroom, hanging out, um, maybe doing stuff we shouldn't be doing, just like high school students. <laughs> as long as nobody knows, right? Right, right. Yep. All right. So, yeah, and, and it's not my classroom now. It's our classroom, because you're That's actually true. teaching in here, your class, once a week. So... Um, not only did you follow me over here, but now you're moving in and kicking me out of my own classroom. So I just want to be you when I grow up. I mean, honestly, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's good to have goals. It's good to have goals. <laughs> Don't set them too high. Keep your goals a little bit low so you can achieve them. Thank you. I'll, I'll work on that. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is neat. We we uh, we finished our guilt, grace, and gratitude uh, series over the Heidelberg Catechism at the end of last year. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, uh, subscribe. Go back, check those out. Uh, but now we're doing something a little different. We have started a new series. Actually, today is the very first actual question we're going to look at. The series is called Questions from the Classroom. Now that you're in the classroom working with seniors, teaching Reformed Doctrine, and I'm in the classroom, I've done uh, Old Testament with our freshmen, New Testament right. survey with our sophomores. We get a lot of questions from students. Some of them very deep theological questions. Some of them just like Hey, I just want to know this. Like, I, it's not right. a it's not a matter of my faith or not. It's just something that I'd like to know. I just just inquisitive. Uh, so we're going to answer some of those, and uh, should be fun. Should be fun. And if you're if you're listening and you've got questions at the end of this podcast, I'll give you an email address. You can send us questions, and we'll try to work those in. But yeah, there's no real rhyme or reason as far as the the series goes. We're not going to set up a certain pattern. We're just going to pick some good questions and tackle them each week. So you ready for your first question? I am, man. I've been stretching. I've got coffee. I am prepared. Yes. All right. So if you mess up, you can't blame anything else. Well, I definitely can't blame the coffee. That's got for sure. It. All right. So our first question from the classroom is just one of those questions. It's not a, a question that students ask, like, how do I know I'm saved? One of those things that's yeah. uh, incredibly important, but just one of those things that kids say, hey, I, I saw this happening in the Bible, and I'm wondering what's going on. The question is, uh, why at certain times does Jesus change, or not Jesus, is God in general, but Jesus in the New Testament does as well. Why does he change someone's name? So how, how would you answer that? Yeah, that's a great, great question, and I think you're right. It's not one of those questions that probably keeps you awake at night. It's probably one of those that sits in the back of our minds, doesn't rise to the level of always getting asked. But I, I would be willing to bet lots of people, lots of people have that question like, hey, why? Right? Like, why does this happen? We think of Jesus looking to Simon and, and calling him Peter. Hey, your name is now Peter, right? Or, or uh, you know, even a subtle one, Saul go, from Saul to Paul. Uh, we don't really get a lot about how that happened, but we know it does happen. Uh, I've got two Old Testament name changes that I think are significant. Uh, so we'll look at the first one. They're both in Genesis. And uh, as we were talking ahead of this, one of the things I said was that there's probably thousands or tens of thousands, I would assume, people that are mentioned in the Bible. And then we get, I don't know, a, a dozen, two dozen names that get changed. And so I would say this isn't abundantly common, but there's enough of them that happen that it brings them to us, right? There's lots of people we read about nothing changes or does, you know, nothing happens. And then, but we do get these interesting stories and they seem to be some key pivotal figures in scripture. And so uh, the first one's Abram, right? And, and Genesis 17, 
Uh, for those of you that are fans of theology, it's kind of the covenant of Abraham with Abraham. Uh, when Abraham was 99 years old, it says the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless that I may make a covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name will be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of their sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So Abram becomes Abraham. And if you follow that story out, you know, Sarai becomes Sarah, right? And there are little changes. Um, the meaning difference between Abram, which means father of a nation, and Abraham, which becomes father of many nations. Uh, so there's a meaning change. Uh, but really, behind that is something much more significant. And the story of Abraham begins back further in, generation, in Genesis. In Genesis, so he's just saying that, right? So, sorry, church plug. All right, so uh, the story starts earlier in Genesis, and it is a man named Abram being called out of a land uh, where he lives called Ur. And he's not a follower of God. He's, you know, modern-day version. He's not a Christian, Right. And God calls him and he leaves his family. He leaves his home, you know, city, nation, country, and he goes where God calls him to go. And so he is obedient. He's faithful. He goes. And what's super interesting and, and probably challenging for me is God doesn't really tell him where they're going. He just says, follow me and I will do this. And Abraham is a faithful and obedient man. He, uh, converts and follows God, obviously, and then he becomes the father, really, of our faith, uh, that Christianity looks back to this moment uh, for the beginning of our faith. And, and Genesis, a book that means beginnings, not just the beginning of life, but really the beginning of faith, and it traces its name back to a man that God promises, I will make you a father of many nations. Yeah, that's a, that's a great story, and I, I love that change. And again, a very small change to his name, but a, a big change in the meaning of his name. Um, but then we get to someone like Jacob, right? Jacob was not necessarily obedient to God early on. <laughs> it was almost like he was at odds with God, fighting against God. Uh, even his name yeah. had to do with being a deceiver. And and uh, so it's it's a, a different story. And his name is it takes a radical change. It goes from Jacob to Israel. Uh, so how would you address that? It's, it's not really that similar, it doesn't seem. It isn't. It's a, it's a very different story, and I think that's what's amazing. Everybody's story is their story. Like, your story is different, right? It's not the same as my story. My story is unique. Uh, and that doesn't make one story better than another. Uh, in fact, again, just a little while back, you and I were talking um, about... You know, the million dollar story isn't the story like mine that gets told of somebody who was this, you know, really dumb, bad, you know, sinful person that, you know, comes to faith and is now different, right? That's a, but the, the million dollar story really is what we hope for all our kids, right? That, that our kids will grow up and know Jesus all their lives and that they will never experience the, the dumb things, you know, the drug addiction, the crime, the things I did, or even just the normal everyday sins that, that humans go through. We want, we want better for our kids, right? And so the million dollar story really is the one who is obedient. Well, that is 
Definitely not Jacob, right? Uh, Jacob is born twins. He's the younger of two twins. He comes out second, uh, but his name comes from him reaching out and grabbing Esau's heel. And so Jacob actually means heel catcher. Now, in uh, ancient Israel, Jacob, or heel catcher, became a Hebrew euphemism for con artist. And it's because Jacob becomes a con artist. And literally, he conspires together with his mother to rip off his brother for the birthright by lying to and deceiving his dad. So no, not quite Abraham, the faithful man, right? So he's a completely other So because of this, he's on the run. He goes and he wants to marry a woman uh, and his father-in-law-to-be tricks him into marrying the other daughter and just so he can get to the one daughter that he wants. And then there's all these deceptions back and forth. And so Jacob lives up to his con artist nickname and is that kind of guy. And then and all of this is, is going back to, he's not, then he has to be on the run from his father-in-law. So he's headed back to home, and he's worried about his older brother, who he robbed, obviously. And uh, he goes through this thing, and he wrestles with God. And literally, God takes on a human form, what we would call a pre-incarnate Christ, takes on this form and wrestles with Jacob. And Jacob just won't relent, won't give up. And, and for modern MMA viewers, he just will not tap out. He just will go and go. And he's begging for a blessing from God. And so God blesses him. And part of that comes in Genesis 35, where it says, God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Pot and Arm and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. And kings shall come from your own body. This should sound familiar. This is similar to Abraham's, right? And I will give the land to your offspring after you. And then God went up from the place where he'd spoken to him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he'd spoken of him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel, which means house of God. So Jacob then from that point on becomes Israel. Now Israel means governed by God. So this con artist has this moment where he wrestles with his faith, literally wrestles with God. And will not give up and will not relent until God will bless him. And so God does so with a name change. And this name comes with a covenant. Now, Jacob, if you're not familiar, is the grandson of Abraham. And so God continues this promise through Abraham, through his son Isaac, to his son, the unlikely son, Jacob, who becomes the man Israel. So we see a couple of, of examples of that, but as you mentioned, we don't see it on a regular basis, right? Moses right. is still Moses, David is still David. Yeah. Um, and so when we were doing the uh, guilt, grace, and gratitude, right. we like to take those and then make a modern day connection. So is there yeah. a modern day connection with people whose names are changed now? There are. So some modern day themes and connections. I love that. I think, I think it was Pastor Vinny kind of came up with that language of modern day themes and connections. And that ought to be what we always do. It doesn't matter if we're in Genesis, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, doesn't matter, Acts or, you know, Revelation. We should be making modern day themes and connections. We should always tie our lives into scripture. In fact, what I hope to do and what I, I think we uniquely do is uh, take questions and what I like to call make them pastoral. In other words, make them applicable to life. And so that's exactly what you're doing. So here's two ways. One is not as common. One is far more common. And so we'll, we'll do both. 
I have, and I've mentioned this before in our podcast, I have an uncle, a Benedictine uncle. He is an Orthodox Christian, Benedictine monk. I call him my monkle. He is my uncle the monk. And uh, his name is Joe. I grew up with him. We're only four years apart. In fact, not even quite four years apart. So we grew up like cousins. I never called him Uncle Joe. He was like my cousin Joe. And he ended up going through all kinds of things in life. And then he became a monk. And uh, to this day, he is a monk. Under his vows of ordination, when he became a monk, uh, as an Orthodox monk, he took on the name Lazarus. And it has to do with his backstory and, and... Obviously, you know the story of Lazarus. There's a, a coming to life, and, uh, and that's him. And so he has an ordained name. Now, we're family. We, we haven't changed from calling him Joe. Uh, people that met him later call him Joseph. People in, uh, that know him under, as a monk call him Lazarus. Uh, and so there's that. That's not as common. We know that we see this with Roman Catholicism. When the Pope, when a, when a uh, I think it's a cardinal, becomes a Pope, they take on a new name, right? Pope Leo the sixth or fifth or whatever is going to be next. And they do that as a representation of the same thing, a transformation, something that God is doing to transform them. So they take on a new name, a way that is more common and similar, but everybody just thinks is cultural, but it's actually biblical is a name change when a man and a woman get married. And the idea is that the woman is taking on a new name, right? That she takes on a new she takes on some new attributes. She's now a wife. She's now not under her family's home. Uh, I remember Lisa and I, before we got married, uh, we'd known each other forever. And uh, she actually knew me when I used to use my stepdad's last name. And, uh, and so we've gone through all kinds of names, I guess. But when Lisa and I talked about getting married, um, she had developed a, quite a, a business, well-known business name. And her maiden name is Hay. It's three letters, and nobody mispronounces it. And Ludington is nine letters, and nobody says it right. And, and so we, we kind of talked about this, but we, can, we came to the conclusion, she came to the conclusion, that she wanted to take my name. And we were going through a transformation in life, and that was symbolic and, and part of that. And so she became Lisa Ludington. So those are some modern ways we see it. Uh, some common, and, and, you know, and, and some, some are not as common. All right, so let me ask you this question. As a pastor, if someone were to come to you, say, you know, someone in their 30s, 40s, okay. and, and they said that they spent most of the first part of their lives um, denying God, running from God, even claiming that God didn't exist, and they are going through a transformation, that God has gotten a hold of them, that they have given their lives to God, they're a disciple of Christ, and they are thinking that they want to put the past behind them, have a new start, and they're thinking about, based upon some of the stories we read, changing their name. What kind of advice would you give them? Yeah. Now, so let's put a couple different scenarios together. So if that person's name is Muhammad bin Sharif, yeah, okay, (laughs) maybe. I mean, if you're named after a false prophet who denies Christ and, and says he is greater than Christ, maybe. Maybe there's a good reason, right? Um, but, you know, say you're, you're just, you know, some schmuck named Jeff, right? And, and you come to faith and your name doesn't really have um, a negative connotation to it. Those are, those are two very different scenarios. One, I think you can make a, a biblical case for, I would not want to have my name be Mohammed and be a Christian, right? I mean, th- I think that could be weird, right? So I think there are some extraordinary, or, or let's not call them extraordinary. I think there are some common examples of why that might take place. Um, this was far more common hundreds of years ago, and you might hear the 
the term, hey, what is your Christian name? In other words, what is your, your full given name? Uh, and you, that used to be associated with baptism. It used to come around infant baptism. And, and um, that had to do with kind of that name landed that with a part of your faith, right? When I came to faith, um, my name didn't change. And, and I, I don't know that it would. And so again, like we talked about scripture, you know, there's, there's thousands, if not tens of thousands of people that we read about, and there's a dozen or two names that we see get changed. I don't know that I can even name that many, but I'm guessing there are, right? And, and so it's, it's common enough to where we're talking about it, but not so common that it becomes a requirement. But I will say this, baptism, uh, conversion and baptism, it, baptism actually is a legal document when you give them a certificate of baptism. And some people would make the case, hey, I want to just be, I want to be a new person. And um, commonly God would do that. Uh, uncommonly, uh, a person would do that. And so, I, man, if there was a reason and it made sense, man, I, I think I'd support them in that. I, they'd still have to go do it legally, right? Um, but it's, it is, yeah, I, I would support them. And there's other contexts, other faiths that do that quite regularly. Uh, black Muslims, as an example, do that commonly. They give up what they call their slave name, right? They want to renounce that part of themselves. And so I think there's a way to do it um, that isn't affiliated with those other things. And that would make sense if you're trying to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm a brand new person. Great. I would push baptism first. Uh, let's just see if we can't conquer this with baptism and see if that's not making you enough of a new person. But man, if you want to, and, and depending on your background, uh, I just make up something crazy. If you happen to be a porn star that used your name, right? And you wanted to just disassociate. All right. Makes sense. There's a famous act, uh, famous singer, uh, Oh, I want to say the wrong one. I don't know if it was Apollonia or another one, but the one that dated Nikki Six and did all that, and she became a Christian, and she renounced that whole name and went back to her birth name. So I, I think there's examples. I think there's ways that make sense. Uh, but I, do, I would have the same question I have with baptism. Some people come and say, hey, listen, you know, I haven't been a Christian in a long time. I've wandered away. I've, I've done so much wrong, and I want to get baptized. And I always get around to that question of, hey, have you ever been baptized before? And when they say yes, I walk through, hey, you know, if you've already been baptized, um, then you don't need to be rebaptized, right? That, you know, you've wandered away. Maybe there's a case for foot washing or something like that that's symbolic. But that baptism, like a, like a wedding vow, is, is good for a lifetime. And if I couldn't talk to them about the truth of their situation, the reality of their situation, and it made sense, then I, I, would, I would support them, yeah, in changing a name. I've never had that happen. So okay. if you're listening, and that's you, call me. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it, man. I, I, I'd love to have that one for the, for the record books. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and there is something to be said about the testimony that someone has when the name is associated with yeah. a person, but that person has completely transformed. Yeah. Those who used to know you yeah. would now see that you're same name, same person, same identity, completely different yeah. Now, as far as, as your outlook and, and well, your life, what you do. Yeah, before you wrap us up, man, I'll just say that. I, so before I became a believer, uh, most of you know my story. If you've been listening, I, I come from drug addiction, crime, gangs, prison. That's where I come from. And now today, you know, Christian pastor, you know, teaching Bible in high school. Like I'm a totally different person. And I had a nickname back then, and, and I, I don't use that nickname anymore. And that nickname was associated with, uh, was, wrong, was associated with wrong things, right? And so I would never use that name anymore. Uh, that nickname, even though it's a nickname, I'm just Jeff, you know, and maybe Pastor Jeff, or if you're teaching a class, maybe Mr. Luddington or something. But yeah, just Jeff. And so I, there is, I guess there are those circumstances where I just, 
I'm not affiliated with that nickname or that lifestyle anymore, so I don't use that. And so maybe that's a similar version for me. Great. All right, let's do this as we get, we're at the end, we're going to wrap this up. Um, we started with a couple of stories from Genesis, yeah. right? And then before we came on, on the podcast, you were reading something from Revelation. So starting, going from yeah. the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end, talking about names. Uh, so why don't we wrap it up with you reading that and maybe giving a quick explanation of what you're reading. I will, I will. Thanks. Revelation 3 is this, uh, this passage, obviously, at the end of Scripture. Um, Jesus is speaking. He's speaking to the seven churches in Asia Minor. To one of the churches, he, talk, he says to them, he says, I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So he recognizes, hey, you've been through the ringer, and you're still here. You're, you're still enduring. And he says, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming. He says a couple things to them that are relevant to their day. But then he makes this broader statement, to the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so fast forward from Genesis all the way to the other bookend of all the books of the Bible. And Jesus is speaking to the church and saying, listen to the one who endures, I will give a new name. I will also invite you into the name of God, the name of the new city, and my new name, like he gives this all new, and naming has a lot to do with it. When we think of Jesus writing everything that is wrong, one of the things that we think of is making things new. And we know that because of Revelation teaches that we get a new name, a new body, this body that can get coronavirus or has back pain or will die. That goes away. We get a new body. We're still us, but we are a transformed us. And there's a promise of being invited into new things, including a new name. Great. All right. Great way to wrap that up. And just something I was thinking earlier is, is the whole idea of the marriage too, right? The, yeah. The bride of Christ and taking his name. Exactly that When I right. call myself a Christian, I am taking the name of Christ and saying I'm one of his. Yep. Um, so that's neat that I can, you can say, well, I'm still Rob, right? And I'm a dad and I'm, I'm all these different things, but I am a follower of Christ. I belong to him. I'm part of his family. I'm part of the family of God. So mm. something neat to end with. Uh, yeah, we want to thank you for joining us. Just a quick reminder, um, we do release a new episode every Tuesday. We hope you'll join us for that. We are accepting questions. If you'd like to throw a question at us, uh, we're not guaranteeing they're going to get into the next couple of episodes, but we will work them in. And uh, you can send those to questions at generations.email. And both Jeff and I will get that email and we will work on uh, getting those out to you as well. So thanks for being with us. Uh, have a blessed week and we look forward to having you with us next week as well. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at Jin Family Church.